Hey guys, welcome to Hashtag History episode 20. I'm Rachel. And I'm Leah. And I'm Kelly. Am I reading the same one again? No. no I don't think so. Okay. I'm Rachel. <laughs> and I'm Leah. And, and this, this is Hashtag, hashtag history. history. The podcast for both history nerds and history haters alike. Where we dive into history's greatest stories of controversy, conspiracy, and corruption. So yes, we have Kelly Boyles from Milk House Shakes in Old Sacramento back on the podcast to help us as we wrap up season two with the second and final part of the JFK assassination, which, um, Leah, can we talk about the fact that we're already on episode 20? I feel like you asked me the same thing about episode 10 when we had Kelly on the episode and I was like, is your response the same? Yeah, my response is the same. I didn't even think we'd make it past episode one. I don't like... It's been a fun ride. It's been really fun. And we've met a lot of really cool people. Um, so thank you guys so much for all the support that you've shown us. Um, it's mind-blowing that mm-hmm. we're here at 20 episodes. It really has been so much fun. I'm living out my nerdy dreams. We're freaking talking about the JFK assassination. <laughs> I am actually talking about it, and people are listening to it. So we will share with you guys at the end of this episode what the plans are for the next season. But first, Leah, a reminder of what we're drinking this week. <laughs> I wasn't prepared for this. So technically, we it's the same night that we just recorded the first part of this episode. So we're... Still have about a sip or two left of the um, the daiquiris that we were drinking from the last episode. Um, so, yeah, it, that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> if you guys want more information about that daiquiri, Leah had mentioned she got a lot of this information from the Beyond Reproach podcast. So we recommend you go check them out. Yeah, it's episode 15. And they actually, they do kind of like a very similar thing to us where they kind of do a a drink that's similar to the story they're going over and the story was a JFK story, not necessarily the assassination, but it was a JFK. Wasn't that when, wasn't, was it Cuban missile mm-hmm. crisis? And, um, they, um, they do the a little bit of a, a snippet on, um, the daiquiri and how the daiquiri is JFK was JFK's favorite drink. And it's really interesting. Highly recommend you guys go listen to it. Okay, so we left you guys on a bit of a cliffhanger last week. We led right up to the point where Kennedy was shot. If you haven't listened to part one of this series yet, make sure you go back and do that. Now, the most fascinating part about the Kennedy assassination is obviously the conspiracy theories, which Kelly is going to be breaking down in this episode. Yeah. (laughs) But first, let's talk about some facts. Immediately following the shots, the motorcade carrying Kennedy and his wife and Governor Connolly and his wife rushed off to the Parkland Memorial Hospital, where the president was placed in trauma room one. If you have not seen the autopsy photographs of Kennedy, they are beyond disturbing i don't think i have obviously we will not be posting pictures of them you can find them on your own by googling upon reaching the hospital staff there knew he was dead jackie knew he was dead if you see the pictures of him on the hospital bed you know he was dead Although we're not sharing pictures of Kennedy after death, I am going to share some graphic details just for a few seconds here. So if you don't want to hear them, plug your ears, sing la 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 for like 
literally five seconds. <laughs> he basically looks like he was scalped. There's a large piece of bloody flesh just hanging from the top of his head. His eyes are bulged out and he has a bloody gaping hole in his throat. Despite this, Kennedy was not officially pronounced dead until after his last rites had been administered by Father Oscar Huber of the Roman Catholic Church. Last rites are supposed to be administered prior to death to prepare the person for the afterlife, but Father Huber knew he was administrating rites to a dead man. The physician George Berkeley signed John F. Kennedy's death certificate, and he was officially pronounced dead at 1 p.m. The story of Kennedy's autopsy is an interesting one. Kennedy's staff basically stole his body. (laughs) Okay, maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration, but at this time, the assassination of a president was not covered by federal law. Therefore, his death was to be handled at the state level, and according to Texas law, an autopsy was absolutely required to be conducted prior to the removal of the body. Too bad Jackie Kennedy was not about to have any of that. Kennedy's staff was ready to get out of Dallas, and Jackie was not leaving without her husband's body. Defying state law and quite literally pushing past medical examiner Earl Rose and a police officer. Whoa. Yeah, I need to say that again. (laughs) Earl Rose and a police officer. Kennedy's staff removed his body from the building in a coffin. Earl Rose later stated that he believes, had he been able to conduct the autopsy as state law mandated, Many of the conspiracy theories that we have about the assassination today would not exist. That's very much probably true. I agree. I would love to know mm-hmm. what at the state level they would have found. That's true. <laughs> You're like, hmm, questionable. Well, it would be like in terms of like multiple shooters, the, that sort of conspiracy. But as far as like the cover conspiracy. Mm-hmm. It's still fishy. Yes, it's fishy. <laughs> By 2 p.m., Kennedy's body was back at Dallas Lovefield, which, if you will recall from part one of this series, he had just landed at Dallas Lovefield only two hours prior. Mm-hmm. He was loaded onto Air Force One. The plane was loaded up with Kennedy staff, Jackie, Lyndon B. Johnson, and Johnson's wife. And it was here at 2.38 p.m. that that infamous picture of Johnson being sworn in as the 36th president of the United States was taken. I have the picture uploaded here. So obviously on an airplane, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're on Air Force They're One. They're on Air Force One. Mm-hmm. With Kennedy's body in a coffin somewhere there. And I oh, I don't even know how Jackie Kennedy could possibly be keeping it together enough to be standing next to Lyndon B. Johnson while he's being sworn in. Yeah. I don't understand. Well, I mean, she still looks so much in shock. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's been an hour since her husband was exploded next to her. Yeah. Yeah, about an hour at that point. She's Mm -hmm. still wearing the same clothes. Mm -hmm. We can't see it on this picture, but we know it was blood splatter. Yes. That's actually exactly what I was going to say. In this picture, you can't see on Jackie Kennedy's beautiful pink Chanel skirt suit. Um, You can't see the blood, but I have uploaded a progression picture of her from Mm. earlier that day when she was wearing the suit, getting off the plane at Dallas Love Field up to later that evening. And you can see the blood on the dress. I think more than the blood... It's her face. Yeah. That she like so happy in that first one. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Comparatively. And it's it's just the look on her face. It's like it's not it's it's not sadness, it's shock. Yeah. Like no, what that, just that, happened. Yeah, that's she's not registering the things that have mm-hmm. happened to her. Ugh. By no means. 
Yeah. Also, let's not forget, because everyone does, that Texas Governor John Connolly was also injured during the assassination. Remember, he had that magic bullet that pierced through his back and out and into his wrist. He was taken into emergency surgery at Parkland Memorial and underwent two surgeries that same day. Now, let's talk about the man responsible for Kennedy's death. We all know the name, Lee Harvey Oswald. Oswald was 24 years old at the time of the assassination. I have very little interest in glorifying him by even giving him the courtesy of telling his early life story. Sorry, not sorry. Mm. I will, however, share enough about his early life to give you an idea of some of his possible motivation for the assassination. Actually, I lied. I am going to share one other sort of non-related fact about Oswald that maybe terrifies me. Oswald's dad, Robert Oswald, was a cousin of Robert E. Lee's, the general of the Confederate Army during the Civil War. And the reason that terrifies me is that I have all of my life been told that my family are descendants of Robert E. Lee. So am I related to Lee Harvey Oswald? <laughs> I asked specifically oh this year as one of my Christmas gifts to get one of those DNA tests, those like 23andMe Ancestry.com mm-hmm. ones. And I happen to know that it's sitting under the tree right right now so I will actually be taking one of those DNA tests later this month and I'm really hoping I can debunk that theory that is crazy yeah I'm so curious oh I I can't even wait I can't wait because my whole life I've been told I was related to Robert E. Lee if he is my great great I'll do more research on him we'll have to do an episode on I actually thought that and you should for your family history too your Polish history yeah it goes back to like my great grandparents and that's as far back as we can trace it that's cool though (laughs) (laughs) all right (sighs) okay moving on and going through the quick recap of oswald's young life his dad died just two months before he was born and by age three his mom sent him off to live at a children's home that sucks When his mom remarried, he moved back in with her before moving to Texas when he was about five years old. From the get-go, he was an ass. He had a temper, and there's actually this one story about him hitting his own mom and pulling a knife on his own half-brother when he was only 12 years old. Mm. You're being empathetic right now. No. Oh. That was a... But also 12 years old. Yeah, just, we just talked about how a 14-year-old shouldn't be held res- accountable for the decisions he made while ruling mm-hmm. Rome. I feel Rome. different. <laughs> I feel, about a 12-year-old? I feel different about Lee Harvey Oswald. Okay. <laughs> I did just read Just Mercy about the death penalty and death row, and it talks a lot about young kids who, you know, obviously I don't, you know, obviously condone what he did, but, like, that is sad, like, mm. I feel like all my empathy is gone when yeah. I talk about him. Yeah. How do you feel about Hitler as a baby? Do you like that? You know that, <laughs> you know that whole question about like, if you could go back in time and kill Hitler as a baby, would you do it? Would you do I it? I have never heard this question. Oh my gosh. Yes. Let's, let's kill Hitler. As a baby? Could yeah. Could we like kill him right before he kind of turned bad? No, you have to do it as a baby. What? <laughs> I know. I feel kind of like, uh... Are you terrible for saying yes? Because <laughs> 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 you know what I like. The, the question is, who knows? What if you, instead of killing the baby, nurtured him, him correctly, brought him up? Would that change <sighs> the trajectory of history? Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm I'm a nurture over nature person. Okay, 
Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Oswald actually went to juvenile reformatory as a result of a psychiatric assessment he took when he was a kid. Mm -hmm. He bounced around from school to school and never completed his high school diploma. Rather, at the age of 17, he joined the Marines. Since he was underage, his older brother actually signed the forms for him as his legal guardian. Mm -hmm. The position that Oswald held in the Marines allowed him high security clearance to view confidential records. He was also an excellent gunman with a great shot. Foreshadowing. And a security clearance, I mean, gives you an, must not have been that stringent of. Like background checking? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, hmm. Terrifying. Here, as with everywhere else, Oswald was an ass. (laughs) After a series of disciplinary action was taken against Oswald for various things like fighting with a sergeant, Oswald ended up claiming that his mother needed care and was awarded a hardship discharge from the military. Not even dishonorable. Nope. Hardship discharge. From a very early age, Oswald identified as a Marxist. Following the beliefs developed by Karl Marx, Oswald was a diehard believer in a communist system centered around there being no social classes and the government maintaining control over all resources as to ensure equality. While in the Marines, Oswald actually taught himself Russian. Really poor Russian. He actually did horribly on a Russian language proficiency test. But still, it's more than I have done because (laughs) I've had to restart my Spanish Duolingo I'm on day Bro. 55. Congratulations. Yes. Congratulations. Did you hear French? Yeah. Oui, je parle un peu de <gasps> I took it in high school. Oh, what are you teaching yourself on? Uh, Duolingo. Say yeah. that again. Je parle un peu de français. You're very wow. good at that. I was really told good. I was really good at the accent. You are. Yeah, the accent. I I'm impressed. I'm very impressed. Okay. When I'm doing my Spanish Duolingo, I'm like, Feliz cumpleaños. <laughs> Nico's on day like six hundred. Like Dude, he's almost two. You years can't. Straight you on can't. Duolingo. You can't ruin that streak. No, I'm like I'm terrified I for him. Duolingo. I know that's you know I took French in high school and college, mm-hmm. and I applied oh, for so a job. Oh, so you probably know what's up. No, I applied for a job after I was in grad school, and they asked me. You know, we want someone who speaks second language, and I was like, okay, I speak French, mm-hmm. and it just came out of me because I. I took three years in high school. I took three semesters in college. Sure. That sounds obvious. Yeah, you speak French. Yeah, yeah. you do. Um, well, guess who started speaking to me in French? <gasps> During the interview? Immediately. And I was okay. like, ah, um, um, <gasps> and literally, I'm sweaty. pretty sure, like, sweat came through my shirt. What does un peu mean? A little. <laughs> oh. And I was like, Okay. That's why je parle un peu de français yeah. as little. It's very I got two, so, two rejection emails. Yeah. Two. Two. Because I wanted to make sure yeah. she knew. Like, like, <laughs> and the, the sad part is like, I said it like, and it wasn't like I was li- like I obviously was lying, but like I didn't intend to. Response. I didn't feel like I was lying. Yeah. It was just so much. Oh, and I speak it. Like obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And like also, who in California speaks French? Yeah. yeah. You would not expect someone to. Mm-hmm. Refute Everybody that that quickly. And did I need you, you? Don't need a second language for this job either. So let's, <laughs> let's say what it is. Like, oh my anyway. god, that's, this isn't Canada. Okay. I literally think I would have vomited like during the interview. Oh, I was like, I bright red, like literally sweat. <laughs> pool. <laughs> it was awful. It was so bad. Oh my god, that's terrifying. In nineteen fifty nine, when he was only nineteen years old, he traveled to the Soviet Union where he was issued a one week Soviet visa. 
In his week there, he attempted to become a Soviet citizen, but his application was rejected. On the date that his visa expired, he slipped into the bathtub at the hotel where he was staying and slit his left wrist. His Soviet guide arrived shortly thereafter to remove him from the country and saw him in this state. In my personal opinion, I'm not convinced that he was trying to kill himself. The injury that he inflicted upon himself was minor. In addition to that, he wrote in his diary that his intent was for the guide to find him in that manner. Perhaps his goal was to stay longer in Russia, which, if that was his goal, he achieved it. He did get to stay in Russia, but in a psych unit in a Moscow hospital. Gosh, in the 1960s. Oh! Depressing. (laughs) That's where he remained for another week. He again made his plea to several Soviet officers to stay in the Soviet Union. But this time, he promised a trade. He told them that he would share with them secrets about the U.S. Marines if he was allowed to stay in the Soviet Union. The Soviets set him up with a factory job and a furnished apartment. Oswald even began a pretty serious relationship, or at least serious to him relationship, with a co-worker at the factory whom he proposed marriage to. Lo and behold, she rejected him. But not to fear, only one month after breaking off that relationship, Oswald met 19-year-old Marina Pruz- I already lost it. Pruz- Pruz- Prusakova? <laughs> Prusakova. Marina Prusakova and married her only six weeks after that. Hmm. By this point, Oswald had become disillusioned with the Soviet Union. He didn't like the work, the pay, the environment, and so he arranged for his wife and infant daughter to receive immigration papers, and the three of them arrived in the United States in the summer of 1962. Oswald jumped from job to job, either because he quit or because he got fired, for some time before making up his mind to do something crazy. He made up his mind to assassinate an American public figure. But that public figure wasn't John F. Kennedy. Many people don't know that JFK was not Oswald's first target. In fact, his first target was a man by the name of Edwin Walker, who had served as a U.S. Major General and was an anti-communist. It was April 10th, 1963. Oswald left Marina a note telling her what he was going to do and then made his way to Walker's house. Walker was inside his house, sitting at his desk writing, when Oswald shot at him from outside. The shot just narrowly missed the retired general, and Oswald took off and got away with it. We've since been able to definitively say that Walker was Oswald's first target due to firsthand accounts, the note he left his wife, and ballistics. But law enforcement didn't know this until after the JFK assassination. What you think with ballistics, though, couldn't they have... Figure that out. Like, you get the bullet. Can't you figure out, oh, who's his gun issued to? Like, did they not even look into it right after the shooting happened? Bullets aren't necessarily, it's not like they have, unless you have the gun, it's easy to match a bullet Mm -hmm. to a gun. But if you don't have that gun, there's no way to connect a bullet to a gun. That's, That's actually... Exactly what the report said. Oh, yeah. Good job. Yeah, it was something like it wasn't until they had the rifle after the JFK assassination that they were able to tie it, the gun or the bullets back to the Walker incident as well. Wow. Yeah. I think this is a good place to insert that it's possible JFK might not have ever even been Oswald's ultimate target. 
A diary was found in Oswald's apartment following the assassination with a page that read, I will kill, followed by four names. One of those names was Edwin Walker. The other name of note was, get this, Texas Governor John Connolly. In fact, many people in Oswald's life, including his wife, who later testified as such, knew of his detest for Connolly. Oswald, having returned to the United States without a high school diploma and with a pretty tainted record having lived in the Soviet Union for some time, actually blamed Governor Connolly for the troubles he found in Texas insofar as getting a good job and place to live were concerned. According to this diary, Kenny, Ken, ooh, what is happening right now? It's too much, yeah, it's too too much talking. (laughs) According to this diary, Kennedy had never been Oswald's target. It was always Connolly. So why don't we hear about this theory more often? That would be because supposedly this one sheet of paper, the 17th piece of paper in that diary to be exact, is missing. Dun, dun, dun. The basic quick rundown of this theory is that one of those other names on the list was the name of an FBI agent, James P. Hostie, who had only just weeks before the assassination interrogated Oswald's wife, Marina, about her immigration. When Oswald found out about this interrogation, he showed up to the Dallas FBI office and demanded to see Hostie. When Hostie did not come out to meet with him, Oswald left a note with the receptionist that read something along the lines of, stop bothering my wife or I will blow up the FBI and the Dallas Police Department. And that wasn't enough to arrest him. There's discrepancy about what exactly this letter did say because Hostie was advised to destroy it once Oswald was officially named the prime suspect in the Kennedy assassination. We do know, though, that he in some way left a threat in that note And we do know that he signed his name on it, Lee Harvey Oswald. In light of this, Oswald would and should have already been on the FBI's radar. So perhaps, assuming this piece of paper ever even existed, the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover in particular, ensured that this document was destroyed to protect the agency. I'm going to leave the more common conspiracy theories to Kelly to cover, but I think this one is a really good one. James Reston Jr. is the author of The Accidental Victim, JFK, Lee Harvey Oswald, and The Real Target in Dallas. And that's where you can get a lot more information about this particular theory. Just a few months after this incident, in August of 1963, Oswald ended up getting arrested for disturbing the peace when passing out pro-Castro pamphlets and a fight broke out. Oswald was finally able to get a job at the Texas School Book Depository when a friend of his wife's was able to hook it up. Because he did not have a car, he commuted on Mondays and Fridays with his coworker Wesley Frazier. It's right around this time that Oswald's second daughter was born. As I mentioned in part one of this series on the Kennedy assassination, the route that Kennedy's motorcade would be making through Dallas was widely publicized in newspapers throughout the area. So Oswald definitely knew that Kennedy and Connolly, assuming that's who his true target was, would be passing right in front of his place of work on November 22nd. He asked his coworker, Frazier, to give him a ride back to his place on a Thursday, which was not one of the usual days they commuted together. But Oswald reported that he needed to grab some curtain rods from home. When Frazier picked him up for work the following day, he carried with him a long bag that he said had curtain rods in it. We know now that it was actually the rifle that killed Kennedy that was in that bag. 
Yeah, I totally take curtain rods to work on a regular basis. <laughs> All the time. All the time. <laughs> no big deal. There was somewhat of a sniper's nest created up on the sixth floor of the book depository building by stacks of cardboard boxes, and it is assumed that this is where Oswald was when he shot the president. There are a ridiculous amount of discrepancies in this theory, though. A handful of people reported seeing Oswald on the first floor at the time of the shooting. Some say they saw him on the sixth floor, but eating his lunch. While another man that was actually on the sixth floor at that time of the shooting was adamant that he was up there alone. The most widely believed theory, though, is that Oswald was indeed on the sixth floor in the sniper's nest and that he fired the three shots into Dealey Plaza that killed President John F. Kennedy, injured Texas Governor John Connolly, and minorly injured bystander James Tagg that we mentioned in part one. Oswald's wife, Marina, upon hearing of the assassination, feared the worst immediately. She was still reeling from the assassination attempt that Oswald had made on Walker just months before, and she feared Oswald was behind the president's assassination as well. She later testified that, upon hearing of Kennedy's death, she went right away to check to see if Oswald's rifle was missing. When she noticed that the area in which he kept his gun did not appear to be disturbed, she let out a sigh of relief. Less than two minutes after the final gunshot, Oswald was down on the second floor break room where he ran into a Dallas police officer who had entered the building, assuming that that was where the shots had been fired from. Oswald was stopped by the officer, but upon his supervisor informing the police officer that he was an employee of the depository, he was let go. Oswald then left the building just minutes before police sealed it off. It's reported that Oswald was the only employee to leave the building following the assassination. Suspicious or what? (laughs) Oswald took public transportation back to the place he was staying, grabbed a jacket, and left again. Sometime around 1.15 p.m., Dallas patrolman J.D. Tippett was patrolling the streets when he spotted Oswald, who looked like the description that eyewitness Howard Brennan had provided as looking like the man he had seen in the sixth floor window of the book depository at the time of the shooting. Tippett and Oswald got in some kind of an argument to which Tippett responded by getting out of his car. Oswald then shot him four times with a pistol he had in his jacket. There were several eyewitnesses that saw this happen. Officer Tippett died. Oswald then ran into the Texas theater without paying for his movie ticket. The front desk person at the ticket booth then called the police. When police arrived, they brought up the lights in the building and quickly identified Oswald, who then attempted to shoot at police officer Nick McDonald. The gun did not fire, though, and Oswald was struck by the officer and arrested, which, just a side note, the reason why the gun didn't fire, it's actually kind of gross to me, that, like, web of skin between your thumb and your index finger, it got stuck on it. Isn't that gross? Mm. When he, like, pulled the trigger. Anyway. (laughs) That's that's, like really (laughs) gross to me. Oswald was originally arrested for the killing of Officer J.D. Tippett, but was shortly thereafter additionally charged with the assassination of the President of the United States. At the station, he was very vocal with the press, stating that he had nothing to do with Kennedy's assassination, that he was only being detained because he lived in the Soviet Union for a number of years, and that his bruised eye was the result of police brutality. Oswald asked for an attorney several times, but was not satisfied with the ones brought to him. All right. I just spit. (laughs) Oswald's case, unfortunately, never came to a trial. 
Two days after the assassination, he was being transferred from the city jail to the county jail and was fatally shot by Dallas nightclub owner Jack Ruby in the basement parking lot of the Dallas police headquarters. I hate that that happened. Yeah. I hate that that happened because I, I don't know. I can hope that maybe we would have, we would know more. Well, it fuels the conspiracy, you know. It yeah, it fuels that, all of this. You know, it does. Shot to be, was he shot to. So that he'd he shut could, his mouth? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. <sighs> the incident was actually broadcast live on American television, which, like, can we just discuss how crazy this week must have been for crazy. American people? I feel like this was one of the first times something like this had ever been had ever played out on live TV. Um, and I can just, I just cannot imagine the shock. Yeah. Um, we'll paste a link to a news clip in our show notes for you to watch after the episode. Awesome. Oswald was rushed by ambulance to Parkland Memorial Hospital, which was interestingly enough the same facility where doctors had tried and failed to save President Kennedy's life two days earlier. Oswald died at 1.07 p.m. on November 24, 1963. Can you imagine being the staff at the hospital like only two days prior trying to save the president's life and then his supposed assassin comes in and you have to you're a doctor. Yeah. You're supposed to save that guy's life, too. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jack Ruby, a criminal who was believed to be involved in the local illegal gambling, narcotics, and prostitution scene in Dallas, was obviously distraught over the Kennedy assassination to the point of obsession. Mm-hmm. Ruby was seen in the halls of the Dallas police headquarters on several occasions after Lee Harvey Oswald's arrest on November 22nd, 1963. Newsreel footage actually showed that Ruby even impersonated a newspaper reporter at one point um, during a press conference at the Dallas police headquarters on the night of Kennedy's death. And he later admitted to carrying a pistol in his pocket during that very press conference. Ruby was eventually charged with the murder of Oswald and was sentenced to death. While serving his time and waiting for an appeal to go through, he ended up dying in prison from complications surrounding an undiagnosed case of lung cancer in 1967. Okay, so now we come to the Warren Commission, which we've kind of mentioned throughout the past two episodes. Mm-hmm. This is when it gets good. Yes, finally we're to the good stuff, guys. <laughs> to the juicy part. Um, which I feel bad saying that about its assassina- assassination. But, but it's the truth. <sighs> so. so the Warren Commission, what was it? So a week after Kennedy was killed, um, President Johnson established the Warren Commission, led by Chief Justice Earl Warren, to investigate the murder of JFK. And his goal was to have the commission comprised of people from all branches of government to give a clear answer as to who killed Kennedy. And it took about uh, nearly a year, I want to say it was 10 months, um, roughly, mm-hmm. for the report to be complete. And it was initially well-received, but we'll find out that that didn't last long. Um, and the findings, uh, you can read the entire report online, and it's very detailed. And it kind of makes the conclusion that we've talked about throughout the episode that JFK was shot by Oswald from the sixth floor of the book depository, that he acted alone. Um, it also maintains that Jack Ruby who killed Oswald did it out of sadness and anger and not that they were in cahoots or that a bigger conspiracy was at hand. Mm. Um, so I, I want to read certain parts of the findings because it plays into our next topic. Um, but I do encourage you to, I think you mentioned later on, um, 
go online and read it because there's so much more. It even talks about the commission gives recommendations for, we talked about last episode, for um, Secret Service. So definitely read it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the part that I want to read, this is verbatim. The commission has found no evidence that either Lee Harvey Oswald or Jack Ruby was part of any conspiracy, domestic or foreign, to assassinate Kennedy. The commission has found no evidence that anyone assisted Oswald in planning or carrying out the assassination. The commission has found no evidence that Oswald was involved with any person or group in conspiracy to assassinate the president. The commission has found no evidence to show that Oswald was employed, persuaded, or encouraged by any foreign government to assassinate President Kennedy or that he was an agent of any foreign government. All of the evidence before the commission established that there was nothing to support the speculation that Oswald was an agent, employee, or informant of the FBI, the CIA, or any government agency. So that's the end of the verbatim part. Um, and like I said, if you're interested, go online, read it. Um, even the beginning part gives a conclusion and an overview of the findings so you don't have to read through all of them. It sounds super cut and dry. Yes. Like. Like, it's the one. No other. They yeah. There's no layers to it. Mm. Oh no. They <laughs> wanted an answer, and they wanted it to be clean, and they wanted it to be Lee Harvey Oswald. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like so, they just um, definitely. They didn't want to have to leave any questions lingering, and you you well because I watch a lot of forensic files and stuff. Mm-hmm. You hear that all the time when investigators like they narrow in on a suspect and then they make the evidence align to mm-hmm. pinning it on mm-hmm. that particular person. As so, like starting from the end to get like starting from the conclusion to get to the start versus Mm -hmm. starting from the start to get to a conclusion. Mm -hmm. (sighs) So like I said, initially the Warren report commission was well received by the public and government officials. Um, But behind the scenes, some government officials, including Johnson and many of the Kennedys were not entirely convinced of the findings. Um, And the public approval of the report would soon fade as well. So now we're going into our next part, which is the conspiracy theories. Um, and I just want to start this next portion of the episode by stating that I in no way consider myself a conspiracy theorist. Yeah. Okay. We landed on the moon. The earth is round. 9-11 was not an inside job. Like, <laughs> I don't follow conspiracies. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> however, when it comes to the JFK assassination... I am open to the possibility that there's more to it than what the report suggests. Yes. Um, I personally believe that Oswald fired the shots that killed Kennedy, but I am open to the possibility that there was more behind it. Yep. I think it's much more of a case than a disgruntled citizen. Yep. So that said, I have done a little digging on the different theories surrounding Kennedy's death. And it actually do feel way less alone about my thoughts about it. Um, and a Gallup poll that was taken in 2013, 50 years after Kennedy's death, 60% of Americans believe that Oswald did not act alone. Interesting. And while most don't know who he was involved with, um, I will briefly outline some commonly held theories. And there's so, I mean, seriously, it is a freaking rabbit hole of crazy. Yeah. Um, so follow it yourself. And I didn't even go into too much detail because there's just so many that it's like too hard Impossible. to even. Impossible. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is fascinating. So... Go down the rabbit hole. I just picked a few. So one of them is multiple gunmen, mm-hmm. um, which kind of goes with the whole magic bullet thing. Is that really a thing? Because um, many people claim to have heard shots when Kennedy was killed um, coming from more than one direction. You know, Lee even read off people hearing like the dust of smoke from the trees mm-hmm. or like 
So from all this stuff, it has been debunked by medical reports from the Warren Commission confirming the trajectory of the bullet that hit Kennedy and that it did come from the depository. Um, The only thing I would say, like, in disagreement with that, when I've watched the Zapruder film, which it's like, it all happens within, I think it's like two seconds or three seconds, mm -hmm. all all the shots. Mm -hmm. When you watch it, which I'm not like a ballistics expert, and again, it's Mm -hmm. like grainy footage, it happens so fast, that fatal shot almost looks like it's coming from the front to me and I've watched it like a hundred times you can definitely tell like whatever it is the first or second one comes from behind because he kind of shifts from Mm -hmm. behind but then that other one literally blows his brain out and it looks like it's coming from the front that's all I just like to state that Rachel is a little bit of a conspiracy theorist (laughs) I didn't think I was until JFK (laughs) but I know you think the fire of Rome was intentional it was no Oh my god! But just watching the Zapruder film, yeah, it doesn't shot look... him from the front. The part of his skull that came off was like the cracking of a bullet going through. It's true. You're right. So You're right because this is missing. But it I'm... just in the video, the blood like shoots back. I don't know. Granted, he was driving. Yeah, I don't know. Okay. See, it just fuels fuels the conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Um. So another popular conspiracy is the mob yes um and multiple mob organizations had claimed they were behind it i think i read somewhere that the chicago mob miami there was a couple um that was all debunked but um this was kind of a popular theory because a jack ruby who killed oswald had ties to organized crime um, and many people thought he killed oswald to silence him also, uh, there's a huge feud between Jimmy Hoffa and Bobby Kennedy. Yes. Um, it, was, it was no surprise that the mob did not like the Kennedys. Yeah. So um, there was the even, game. there's this story of Jimmy Hoffa um, right after hearing about Kennedy's assassination where he was at a restaurant. He stood up on a chair and said something about, like, I hope worms eat his brains out or worms eat his eyes out or something like that. I feel like, like zero I feel sympathy. Like- I feel like that actually just debunks it because if you knew that he was about to be murdered, like that he was about to be assassinated, you shouldn't you say you something like draw that. Draw attention to yourself yeah. by like screaming something. Yeah, like so. but definitely no secret yeah. that there were like heavy ties. Heavy. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. So another one is the Soviets. Mm-hmm. We can also tag the Cubans into this too. Um. Obviously, Oswald we saw defected to the Soviet Union. He had very strong ties to Russia. Um, not to mention that Kennedy had obviously tense relations with, with Russia. We have the Cuban Missile Crisis, um, the Bay of Pigs in mm-hmm. Cuba. Like, you know, there's obviously tense, tense stuff going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's argued, though, that by some people that this is not plausible because um, the Soviets and even the Cubans, if they were behind it, it would have been considered an act of war. And so some people argue, some historians argue that maybe th- that would be enough to not. Yeah. That's why it's not them. Yeah. But mm-hmm. who knows? Um, another theory, and actually this one was surprising to me, was that LBJ was behind it. Um, oh, what's this The man who killed, okay. The Ra- man who killed Kennedy, the case against LBJ. Okay, yeah. Rachel's holding up a, a book about how LG, uh-huh. LBJ did it. This yeah. is wanted, LBJ. Yeah. Anyway, so, I mean, what? I was actually kind of surprised. <laughs> yeah. Don't believe conspiracies at all. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> I was actually it's a good book. surprised by this one um, because I just don't buy it. I, I don't, even after reading this, how long is this book? This book is... You read the whole thing? Yeah. This book... <laughs> Was there a question here? Or? This book is 400 pages long. It's called The Man Who Killed Kennedy, The Case Against LBJ. Even after reading it, I don't believe it no. for two seconds. But um, Jackie Kennedy was actually one of the people that thought maybe LBJ had something to do with it. Just because, she, I mean, the Kennedys didn't like didn't him. Like him. No. And yeah. they knew he wanted to become president one day. So she, I think she meant it, like she was saying it kind of offhand, not necessarily with any evidence, maybe just like emotional. Mm-hmm. But she even said like, we all know LBJ wanted to be the president. Maybe he had something to do with it. Mm. Yeah. I don't buy that one. Though. No. Um, and then another one, the last one I'm going to talk about is the FBI or the CIA. Um, and this one I think is actually very common um, because of the way the information was disseminated after Kennedy's death and the distrust of the Warren report. And there were so many conflicting stories. I mean, the FBI knowingly withheld information. Mm-hmm. Um, they knew about Oswald before this happened Mm -hmm. and there was just so much cover-up a lack of transparency and for as detailed as the report was it didn't provide a motive so we were still left questioning well if Oswald killed Kennedy why why so yeah so I think that that (laughs) one is and as I mentioned these are just a few of the conspiracies um and just a brief overview so please dig deeper um i don't know actually where i stand i don't know which one i believe there's a part of me that feels like you don't want to be the fbi or the cra cra because that's our team like why would that be you know you you just there's just so many questions that it's not it really isn't straightforward no i do still stand by my initial statement um i do think oswald shot the bullet i'm just not convinced it was only him Agreed. And I could still be convinced to believe the Warren Commission, but it's a little sketchy for me. Yeah. yeah. What are your thoughts? I don't know. I guess out, out of all of the theories, the multiple gunmen would be the one that I would believe the most. Um, but then you still think, who are these multiple gunmen? Are they just like Lee Harvey Oswald cronies alone. that are like, oh, let's kill the president? Yeah, who is mm-hmm. it? But mm-hmm. is there someone bigger behind it? Yeah. And, you know, Oswald, too, another one I was reading, he went to Mexico City, the embassy. In Mexico City, um, the Russian embassy, like, months before. Yeah, so he did it too. just shortly before. So he had, uh, there's just, his movements and his whereabouts and his ties to all these yeah, areas. Yeah, it's sketchy. It that is, is sketchy. sketchy. Yeah. So. There's also another theory that. Um, one of the secret service men, did you read that one had done it on accident? So like the first shot comes from Lee Harvey Oswald from the book depository. And then in response, like one of the secret service men behind Kennedy mm-hmm. didn't know, like was kind of like all the commotion and mm-hmm. stuff ends up shooting Kennedy. Mm-hmm. And the thing about this theory too, the guy that put this theory together, he wrote a book about it. Didn't have the decency to tell the secret service guy that he was going to write this book about him published it completely like gosh ruined this yeah. guy's life Ouch. i think my theory um lee harvey oswald shot him i think that jfk might not have been his target i think yeah. it could have been Connolly. and for anyone that comes at me about that magic bullet 
issue. I know the theory of how it happened. I know I've watched all those documentaries about where Connolly was sitting directly in front of Kennedy, but his seat was lower and shifted over to the left. So I've seen all those like trajectory, slow motion diagrams. I still think it's crazy. One singular bullet caused seven injuries. It's crazy to me. Mm Mm-hmm. Anyway. And that's it. I don't think we'll ever know the answer. No, no I don't Obviously, think so either. At this point, we're not going to know. But it's just... We'll never know. We'll never know. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Hashtag History. If you enjoyed the episode, do us a favor and subscribe to Hashtag History on whatever podcast platform you use. Share it with a friend and give us a rate and review. Be sure to check us out on Instagram at hashtag history underscore podcast because we will be staying active on there over our month break between seasons, including doing another giveaway. And we just want to thank Kelly again for coming on the podcast. We had so much fun doing these episodes with you. Thank you guys so much. I truly love it. It's so much fun. I'm it's like, so much fun. I know. I we love I have having ideas you here. For more, so. Yeah, no, she's already been like, oh, on our next episode. <laughs> And Happy New Year's, everyone. This one is going to come out on New Year's Eve. So I hope you all have a great New Year's. Don't do anything I wouldn't do. However, that does set the bar pretty low. So thank you guys so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.